This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. This podcast is produced by podcastandradio.com. Small Biz. Small Biz America. The Brain. Our guest on this segment is Mitchell Levy. He's the AHA guy at AHA That. That's the same website, ahathat.com. And Mitchell empowers thought leaders to share their genius. His superpower is extracting the genius from your head as a thought leader, author, speaker, etc., into a two-hour interview so you can then share that with the world, those who need to see it. Mitchell is an accomplished entrepreneur who has created 20 businesses in Silicon Valley to date, including four publishing companies that have published over 800 books in aggregate. Mitchell's a TEDx speaker and an international best-selling author with 59 business books in print. He's provided strategic consulting to over 100 companies, has advised over 500 CEOs on critical business issues, and has been chairman of the board of a NASDAQ-listed company. In addition to all of this, he's been happily married for 28 years and regularly spends four weeks a year, I love this, in a European country with his family and friends. Joining us from Silicon Valley, Mitchell Levy, welcome to the program. Man, I was really beautifully read, David. You must you must do this for a living. I do this now and again, and they, they're not all that smooth, but just because we, we, folks, we did a little warm-up before Mitchell joined me uh, in the recording part of this segment, so I'm warmed up, but mainly this is all about you. You have created a real enterprise around what I'll call amplifying the ahas of those who you serve. Let's talk about your idea about thought leadership, what it is what thought leaders need to know about the work you do and related topics. We can just dive in from wherever you like. (laughs) Well, let's start with, let me give you two things you can look at if you're interested um, that will add more value. Um, I did a TED talk on being seen and being heard as a thought leader. So if you go to YouTube and type in either Mitchell Levy TED talk or being seen and being heard as a thought leader, you'll not only be able to see the TED Talk, and that's 17 minutes, mm-hmm. and we also did a book that complements that. So we did an aha book that complements the TED Talk also by the same title. Beautiful. And largely what the, what's happening is mankind, humankind is going through a transformation that we've not seen before. And that is we are transitioning from the industrial age to the social age. And you know what? People don't know what that means, and they don't know what to do about it. They don't know how to act, and there are many old-school companies that will not survive. And so the TED Talk I did got me thinking about who we are and how we act and what we do. And 
And to summarize, a thought leader, and let's use the terms thought leader and recognize expert synonymously. Okay. So it is okay, David, to be an expert, but if nobody knows who you are, then you can't potentially monetize your expertise. That said, if you're a recognized expert, then people could come to you when they have a problem. And if you think about even the network of the people you have today, when you have an issue in a particular area, you know who to go to. The, the classic right. is if you're a child and, you, and you're feeling pain, you go to mom, right? Um, <laughs> the, uh, I love that. And, but, you know, mom is the quote-unquote recognized expert. For all intents and purposes, she is in your world. If you have mom, she is your thought leader, right? She's right. the person who says, what do I do? How do I go? Hmm. Well, the world that we're living in today is one in which we do business with those people that we know, like, and trust. Now, the like and trust part is kind of easy. I mean, we, we can't, I can't teach you liking and trusting. All I can do is say to you is to be trusted in today's world, you have to have integrity, authenticity, and vulnerability. You need to demonstrate that you don't know all the answers, but you have enough answers to be able to solve the problem of those that, who, who want to do business with you. Yeah. That's kind of the trust part. The like part is, are you likable? You and I had a half hour warm up, you know, and we said, Hey, I like you. you. You might be fun to work together. And we mapped out a plan of something that might be interesting. That is just, if you're you, and what I mean is, is if you're the true you, the person who you share with your family, you share with your friends, are also, is also the same person you should be sharing with your business partners, your customers, your employees, the people you work with. If you're you, Hopefully you're, you're liked and you're likable and you're trusted because we don't want to do business with people we don't like. Sometimes we do. We certainly don't want to do business with people we don't trust. And so if you're liked and trusted, that's important. Now, what thought leadership is, what being a recognized expert is, is the fact that people know you. And how do people get to know you in today's world? Well, they get to know you because they either get introduced to you by a friend or they see you. And in today's world, in terms of seeing you, they see you in social media, or they see you because you're in a paper, or they, they see you, i.e. technically hear you, because they hear you on the radio, right? And so what's important is we need to, as people who are doing business, as people who have expertise, we need to be sharing that expertise with the world. And we don't need to share everything. We just need to share the appropriate amount of content in a way that those people who may be attracted to that content, may be attracted to that expertise, who have a problem, and they go to Google and they say, I have a problem with, and they type in their problem, what has to happen is they need to find you. And so what we do is we make it easy for people to create a social media-enabled ebook and physical books that essentially address the pain points that are available that their clients are talking about, right? So for me, if somebody says, hey, man, I have expertise, I'm a thought leader, but nobody sees me. And they go to Google, how do I be seen as a thought leader? Yep. Guess what? Mitchell Levy's book is going to pop up or my TED Talks are going to come up. So the, the issue to be thinking about, and this is when what I do with my clients is, is the high-end package today, what we do is, is very simple. We do a two-hour interview. We pull the genius. And now when I say we, I use we often, we, a lot of us do, 
the we in terms of pulling the genius, that one's me. At some point in time, when I get too busy to be able to do uh, too many of those in a single day, um, I'll create a certification program and train other people to do the interview. Oh, I love that. So you're so right scaling. now I'm doing the interview. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And but, for, I, but for now, you actually, you're hands on with this. Need. So if I work with you, I'm sorry to step on you, Mitchell. So if, if I work with you, you're going to do the extraction, if you will, a non-dental extraction. You're going to do a thought leader extraction, two-hour session with me. Sorry. So, Couldn't no, no, I, I, thanks for stopping me. I was on a, I was on a radio <laughs> roll and I needed to stop. So you it happens. Me. Thank you. Um, it happens to the best of us. <laughs> um, so the answer is yes, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it differently than, so, so yes, it is an extraction. And for some people you need to pull it out for others. It's more of a collaborative conversation. Yeah. I mean, these two hours, the testimonials I have on my website, these two hours for people are absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. I mean, in essence, you're having somebody who is, I'll just say reasonably bright, focusing a hundred percent on you and helping you describe the pain point that you solve for your prospects. Yep. And so it is a insightful opportunity for you to go, Oh, that's a great way to put it. Or where we, we did, uh, <laughs> one of the books I did recently was with a Japanese American. He's been in the U S for 20, 25 years, still a heavy accent. And he, his book was specifically focused on helping Japanese executives think worldwide versus think insular, Uh, right? So how do you manage a group of people who are not Japanese as well, right? Right, And and so he had great thoughts and points, but what would happen is I'd say, you know, have you thought about this guy and this approach and and this way of doing it? He goes, oh, yeah. And so it was a fun, interactive back and forth conversation. So at the end of the day, here's what we're doing. We're basically pulling out what I call aha messages. We're pulling out small seven second quotable sound bites whose goal is designed to encourage the somebody who's looking for you to be able to recognize that you're the person that could help them in a simple sound bite. That's what we do is essentially pull out 140 aha moments, aha messages, all designed around if somebody heard just one or read just one or two or three, they're thinking, I need to know this expert. Concisely doing that, so there's just nuggets of content, is perfectly aligned with the scarcity of attention that we're all facing for any audience anywhere, isn't it? David, well said. <laughs> I'm going to have to borrow that one. The scarcity of attention we have today is served extremely well with a aha book. I think that's a new catchphrase. That's me. well, this, I you. borrowed it from someone. This scarcity of attention thing came up. I recently read, and I don't remember where it was. It's called, it had to do with screen design, UIs, and uh, gosh, it was an audiobook. Anyway, I, I, I'll uh, find it. It had to do with the screen, the way we design screens. And it had a name with the screen word in it. So, folks, you can find that. I'm sorry, I don't have it at the tip of my tongue. But the idea of just t- these little nuggets, I mean, it's what Twitter did for communication, uh, for better and worse, right? But but for this, having these little, what you call sound bites, these little nuggets of content, it also forces, and I use the word forces a little bit loosely, but it, 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 it filters and forces a very efficient communication and the, the thought leader begins to co-develop a language around the pain point that they solve, don't they? There's a language that's developed, which is key. Oh, so that is very insightful. I normally don't cover that. 
But the answer <laughs> well, is thank yes, you. Well, of thank course. You. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, because, you know, what happens is we do have this scarcity of attention. And what if somebody is speaking to you, they, let's just, we'll, we'll do a different model, but look, this is what I'm thinking about. Yeah. Once you yeah. sell somebody, you know, once somebody buys a product from you, whether it's a, a, a physical product or a service, what happens is they almost immediately get buyer's remorse. And, mm. and so your job is not just to sell them the first time so they hand over the money, but to reinforce that they made a good decision and then to help them use the product effectively. This is what the social age is. It's not just the fact that somebody bought, bought your products. Make sure they're using your product more effectively. Yeah. And so if you communicate in those seven-second sound bites that reinforce the messaging, and then here's where it's fascinating. Any one of our AHA messages can include a URL. Those URLs can now point to a YouTube video where you're actually speaking for a couple minutes or a small, nice audio segment, or maybe another show where you talk about something in detail where the person who is your customer may not need that detail, but they want to communicate that effectively to their employee base. And if you include a URL that points to something that's very cool, they may send that URL to their employee base and say, hey, you guys need to listen to this or watch that. Exactly. And it fits in so beautifully with this share behavior that's so ubiquitous to the web and social media, right? Yes. So beautiful. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid here. I'm, I'm having a good time with this. Um, because you've, you've engineered something uh, that's so, you know, you're sitting at sort of this intersection of a lot of stuff I do every day. I, I interview people. I produce audio content for them, whether it's a podcast or an audio book, and then I help them distribute it. I mean, this is, you know, it's just, this is why we're birds of a feather for this segment. It's so beautiful. Let's talk a little bit, if we can, spend a little bit of time on, we've spent some time on the mechanics of, you know, you do this interview and then what happens? Ah, uh, so for those people who, who write themselves, right? So there's an audience yeah. of people who just yeah. need to write themselves. We have a three-step writing process. So what I'm going to do is I'll sort of talk about that three-step writing process. It's just that if we were writing for you, we do it for you. So what happens is we do, well, maybe we'll step back. Before we do that two-hour interview, I need to know who your prospects are and what their pain point is. Now, some people, when I ask that question, they immediately got it. Um, for others, we have a four-question document, which is really step one of our, our three-step writing process. Okay. And that four questions asks basic questions, but important questions. You know, what's your name? What's your bio? Uh, what's your, what is the title of your book? A one-paragraph summary. But what I'm going to say is question number one is the most important question. And this one needs to be answered by somebody before we get to the interview. If not, then we're using the interview maybe a little bit more elongated to first focus in and center in who the prospect is. Yeah, it's like a so setup. the question, yeah. the way it reads, mm -hmm. yeah, because otherwise, if you don't know, for me, what I do, this is, this, I'll give you my trick. What I do is I put myself in the shoes of your prospect and I ask questions of what it would feel like if I am making a decision if I need to hire you. That's great. I right? love that. Simple. Yep. So the first question in our four-question document, which is part of our three-step process for writing, is who is the reader and what are their expectations? Right? But you know what it really says? Who is your prospect and what is their pain point? Huh. So first thing, I need to know the prospect and pain point. We then do a two-hour interview. I then will have that transcribed and the audio version of that and the transcription goes to our writing team. We have a writing school we send our ghostwriters to, and they will actually create 
out of that, 140 bite-sized quotes and seven blog posts. And then they send them off to you. Now, somewhere along the way, depending on how fast you want the book done, we'll create a cover for you. And you will then uh, we'll also ask you about books. What's very cool about books is they have front matter and back matter. So, you know, we would typically say, yes, you want to do an introduction and acknowledgments and dedication. That, that I have to leave up to you because I don't know who I'm dedicating the book to. Um, the, but what you may do is you may want to meet somebody in the industry. Well, if you want to meet somebody you don't know or if you, know, if you, know, if you have somebody you know who's really powerful, well, then you can either ask them to write a forward for you or you write the forward and you say, hey, can we make this from you? Yeah. Right? It's, it's a way in which you could, uh, that's what's compelling about books. Um, if it's somebody who's really powerful in the industry, why don't you write the entire book? Let us write the entire book for you. Then you bring it to that person and say, hey, listen, the book is done. How'd you like to be my co-author? Mm-hmm. Right? That's the power here is you now have an asset that's accepted in the world as a credible piece of thought leadership. And you can now add to that thought leadership by incorporating people to be part of your forward or be inside the book or to be, to actually be a co-author with you. Love that. And so we'll help you with the front matter and the back matter. Um, we will design the cover for you. Uh, some people like the first cover we design. Some people we go through three or four iterations before we get to, to what you like. At the end of the day, the important part is it's your book. And what we do is we make sure that you like each step along the way. What we do, which is different than any other book publisher, well, maybe others do this, um, we print both in hardcover and paperback, and really? we print color on the inside. Wow. Yeah, well, the hardcover, let me do this, just so you, so you can hear the visual effect. That's, That's the cover. That's knocking on a hardcover book. <laughs> Right? You know, and, it and it's funny. Like it's really powerful. I didn't visualize this as a hard. What's the size of each of these types of formats? Ah, so we <laughs> uh-huh. right. personally, uh, well, this is a nice aha. Uh-huh. Having published eight hundred books, what I could tell you is I love the feel of a spine. If a book is about one hundred and twenty pages long, okay. So we make these books about 120 pages long, which means that we have one or two aha messages per page. Wow. So they're like quick reads. In, in... So it's, it's uh, you could probably, you know, if we're reading this for an audio book, it's probably a half hour. If you're reading through it pretty quickly, it's probably 10 to 15, sometimes 20 minutes. Yeah. What often happens is you're, you may read two or three or four of these and they're going to make you think. So let me give you a couple of examples. Beautiful. Um, from the book that I have being seen and being heard as a thought leader. Um, I want to tell you about aha number four, which is from Robert. I, for my, that book, I interviewed four of the thought leaders because I think 80% of the content we share as thought leaders should be from somebody else. So I've got the guy who runs Thought Leadership for Cisco in the book. I've got Robert Clancy, who has a half million followers on Facebook. And what Robert says in AHA number four is good thought leaders are at the top of the mountain. Great thought leaders are at the bottom of the mountain helping people climb up. Yeah. That's yeah. what an AHA message is. Let me, 
let me give you one more. We did a book from a company called Sign Now. Sign Now is electronic signature. Okay. And they were at a conference, the NetSuite conference. So imagine your company, you're exhibiting at a conference. Are you going to hand out a T-shirt or a coffee mug or a pen or a mat? <laughs> yeah, mat for your mouse pad, right? Yeah, mouse pad. Or what if you handed out a book and that book was compelling content and that compelling content answered the pain point and the questions that people go to the conference have. Bingo. So let me tell you, when I was talking to the CEO, we started talking six weeks before the event. And after I started hearing the pain point and the problem, I go, I go, Ken, his name's Ken Groey, mm-hmm. uh, a company sign, sign now. And I go, Ken, I got the title of your book. And he goes, okay, tell me. And I said, it should be called now. Remember, he was at the NetSuite conference. That's where they're exhibiting. So I said, it should be called Leveraging NetSuite and Your Mobile Device to Make More Money. Mm-hmm. Right? So it doesn't mm-hmm. have the word sign now in it. It simply has, if somebody's at the NetSuite conference, they're there to learn more about NetSuite. They're le- there to learn more about mobile, which, of course, everyone needs to know more about and how to use it. And they're yeah. le- there to learn how to make their company more money. So this book answers that question. And the fascinating part is, is Ken was smart enough to go, hey, Mitchell, you know, if I sign up for this book, I'm really signing up for three, not one. I go, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and the three books are when he goes to the next event, uh, Salesforce, it's leveraging Salesforce and your mobile device to make more money. Um, when he does stuff in front of then you fill in the blank, either new events or new target audiences. So he goes after doctors or go after dentists or go after realtors or go after you fill in the blank. He now has an opportunity to have a very targeted thought leadership asset that specifically addresses the pain point of those that are in there. So what's interesting is when we go from NetSuite to Salesforce, we're not just stamping a new cover, a new name on the cover. We're going to have to look at every piece of content and see how it, it would change slightly or maybe drastically because it's now part of a book that deals with another company or another vertical. Uh, Mitchell, right? one, so let me give you a... Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. I just sorry. had a, I wanted to... Can I interject a question about... And you may have covered this. Forgive me if you did. If 80% of the content is coming from other sources, is, is that 80% intermixed in the AHA book with your own quotables? Or, oh, or what's I the, hear you. Yeah, I'm just trying to understand the, the composition of oh, the book. I, by the way, David, thanks for sharing that. In general, <laughs> so in general, I believe when you're sharing stuff on social media, yep. a lot of the stuff you share should be somebody else's. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Specifically when it comes to your book. Now, just because I did, it doesn't mean you should. Right. So when it comes to your book, uh, most of the books, I prefer it. If somebody, it's really a hundred percent their content or they like using quotes. Maybe they use five or 10 quotes of somebody else. Oh, I see. But I prefer it to be your content uh, inside the book itself. I think also what you're talking about, the share behavior is distinguished from the content of an aha book itself. In other words, you just said it, and I don't. I'm I'm guilty of not sharing enough third party stuff. Say, hey, did you check this out? This is great. You know, I'm generally thinking, well, I got to generate it myself, and that's just that's not the way social works from your perspective. And I think I agree with that. So, no, so. it's it's a lot like to me the world of tomorrow. This is a really nice thought. Mm-hmm. We we all are a little bit more like Chris Kringle in Miracle Thirty Fourth Street. Yeah, yeah. 
right? Remember, yeah. so what he would do is he'd send people out of Macy's to somewhere else to find a particular problem, right? Uh, to solve a particular issue, right? But then, oh, hey, you can go to this, you go to Gimbal's and they're ten dollars cheaper. Yeah, it was till, then till the, con- yeah. the rest of their money on Macy's. Exactly, it was like right? counterintuitive and, when you watch the film. It's like, why would he do that? And management was scratching their heads and getting really pissed off at the guy, at the Chris Kringle in that film. And, and so what happens, here's what's interesting. If somebody comes to me and says, Mitchell, can you solve this problem? And I say, we could, but it's not going to be as good as if you go somewhere else. What does that do? That shows the person on the other side that I care more about them than I care about me making Absolutely. one more sale. Oh, that's beautiful. There. That means the next time they come back and they have an issue... They're going to actually think, you know, Mitchell gave me great advice last time. Can we go to his company to do this stuff? Yep. And then they don't think about it because I've generated trust in the people I'm working with yep. because I care more about my clients be successful. And the thing that's interesting, I don't have any competitors. I only have potential partners. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I love that framework for uh, how we deal with the ecosystem of our name your business vertical. You know, I'm in podcast production. There are a lot of podcast production companies out there as well as audio audio productions at large, you know, and they they all do things and approach things differently than I would. And they may have facets of the word, their approach that are uniquely uh, different than mine. And uh, there may be instances where I say, you know what, I don't do it that way, but here's this guy over here, this uh, group over here might be able to help you in a way that I can't. And it's a fearless sort of way to operate. What a generous and fearless way to operate. Mitchell Levy, the uh, website, MitchellLevy.com, but also, of course, visit AhaThat.com. Before I close it out, I don't want to do this abruptly, but we are about out of time. What would you like to leave our listeners with as we close out, Mitchell? Hmm. Hmm. How would I like to leave this? It's a great question. So I would say there is no excuse for you to not be able to show the world that you're an expert in a particular area. Mm. It's just the simple part. I I hear people all the time that says, I don't have time to write. Oh, I want to, I have to have my book be 400 pages long before I write. Oh, it's going to spend, it's going to take me so long. And, and at the end of the day, the, you could always do that great American novel that you want to do at some point in time. But today you owe it to those that need to use your service, you owe it to them to reach them in a way that they, they are receptive to you. And that's what we do here. And then with the stuff that you and I talked about David, yeah. and the other things we can do, it's, it's helping you get your message out is really the world we live in. And I'd say if I leave with one thing, uh, this is a message I often give to my son, who's now 20. Mm-hmm. I always said to him, just because you can doesn't mean you should. So just because you can write a book doesn't mean that you should waste your time writing it. Right. Somebody else could write it as well or close to as well, and you could spend the extra time that you didn't spend writing the book or publishing a book. You spend that extra time marketing you and meeting clients and meeting prospects. Your business and your life will be that much better for it. Love it. Mitchell Levy, MitchellLevy.com or AhaThat.com, helping thought leaders and experts share their genius with the world. Mitchell, thanks for joining us on the program. My pleasure. What a, what a, what a fun time talking with you. Thanks, David. Small Biz. Small Biz America. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.